welcome to Resilience Unraveled. I'm your host, Dr. Russell Thackeray. This podcast is a result of my fascination with health issues, resilience, performance, mental health, accountability and critical thinking, along with many of the other obsessions I bump into in my life. I spend my time working with highly successful teams, organisations and people, and this podcast introduces their remarkable stories, as well as my synthesis of the key issues, tips and strategies to thrive in life. If you find this podcast useful, you can also find other information at qedod.com or russellthackeray.com. Stay tuned to the end for details of how to order a free ebook. Enjoy the podcast. So today I'm talking to Rachel Papworth about a subject that I'm very passionate about in the sense that I don't do it and I know nothing about it and I'm renowned as being the opposite of what Rachel is good at. So I'm really looking forward to this because I think not only will you learn nerds, but I think I'm really sort of motivated to think that I might learn tons as well. So good morning, Rachel. Hello, hello. And I immediately notice uh, an English voice on the line. <laughs> yes. Yes, we're both in the UK. Both so, of us very used to talking to people across the pond, I think. We are, aren't we? Shouting really loudly. <laughs> Those, those anti-social hours, you know, where you have to be awake at 11 o'clock at night or 12 o'clock because that fits into somebody else's schedule. Hey, 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 <laughs> we did have quite a funny conversation trying to set this up, didn't we? Where we were like, what time zone are you in? What time zone are you in? Oh, the same one. Yeah, it was a bit of a, bit of a shocker, really. It means civility in the morning. So whereabouts in the UK are you then? I'm in lovely sunny Brighton on the south coast. Right. And I'm in near sunny Southampton. So there you go. We're only... <laughs> Away. The irony is we're about 40 miles away, so there you go. <laughs> yeah. So Rachel, um, so thank you so much for spending some time with us this morning and um, talking to this um, community of mine around resilience, but around your subject and how that links together. Well, how would you describe what it is you do? Oh, thanks for having me on, Russell. What I do is I liberate busy people from the shackles of clutter and chaos to give them peace of mind and productivity. Wow, that's very onomatopoeic. <laughs> I like that whole auditory thing. So um, my shackles and the clutter and clatter are great. How about chaos as well? So, 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 tell me how you how you got into this how you got into this thing. How how, how did you get into this thing you do? Yeah, it's a wild story actually because it brings together loads of different aspects of my personality. If I start at the very beginning. I've always I've always loved organizing. I've always loved going into a chaotic space and bringing order to it. If I walk into a charity bookshop and I'm looking for a book, I am, you know, ones where they actually put things in alphabetical order and I see a book that's out of order, I can't help myself. I have to put it back into order. Everywhere I've ever worked, hmm. I find myself tidy in the kitchen, you know? Yeah. I just love, I just love to do it. I used to help my brothers to, to get organized. Um, and I also love what makes us tick? And I did a psychology degree, so I've, I've got a psychology background, and I've done loads of coaching and um, personal development training. And I have lived now in my house, I've now lived here for about 20 years, and I'd lived here for about, probably about seven or eight years. I was beginning to run out of space, even though I live in a three-bedroom house with a loft. Um, I got into buying vintage clothing for swing dancing, and I was struggling to, I was running out of places to put it, I had a um, a dress rail in the spare bedroom blocking the view of the mirror because I had so many clothes. And I, and I was like, oh, how has this happened to me? Like, I'm someone who loves decluttering and organising. How has that happened? And the answer to how it's happened is if you don't keep on top of it in this 
affluent society in which we live, where stuff comes at you all the time, it will get out of control. Mm. And so I totally decluttered my entire house. And that was just about before the recession hit. And I, I've been self-employed my whole life. I love working for myself. And uh, the business I was running got really badly hit by the recession. And I needed to find a different way to make money. So I did a course on what is your thing? What is your heart's thing that you could bring to the world that the world needs from you because it's your thing? And every single thing in the course said, you have to be a professional organizer, which I didn't know was a thing at the time, by the way. I didn't know that term, professional organizer. I called it a decluttering coach. Um, I I didn't want it to be that. That was like... I was like, no, 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 it can't be that side of my personality because I'd actually started hiding that side of my personality from the world for fear of being laughed at, for being OCD or, you know, you've got too much time on your hands and you've got your spices in alphabetical order, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, the message was really clear. So I had to get out there and I did it. And I, I actually sort of tried to launch my business in secret at first. I didn't really want anyone to know I was doing it, which doesn't really work. But luckily, of course, everybody's reaction when I tell them about it is fascination. And you, people either say, oh, my God, I really need you. Or they say, my mum really needs you. Or my friend really needs you. Or my next neighbor really needs you. Or, you know, everybody knows somebody who's really struggling with this stuff. Most people are struggling with it themselves. So not only do I now do, like, for a living, do something that's so much fun, that I love so much, that I would do it for free if I didn't need to make a living, but I also shout about an aspect of my personality that I'd come to hide and not be proud of, and now I'm really proud of it. So it's been really good for my mental health, as well as, well, yeah, as well as me being able to give to the world what is my true gift to the world. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you're going to have had all these questions before, but I need to start. Okay. <laughs> so... What's the point of being organised? I mean, you know, as someone that's not organised, I love going into a charity shop and rooting around, finding all these unexpected pleasures, seeing something I didn't know I needed, coming home, shoving it in a pile somewhere, regularly falling over it, and then suddenly discovering it again. I mean, life is a series. I mean, my wife does accuse me of being a goldfish, and that helps. But, um, you know, why be organised? What is the point? Because when your home works, your life works. Your home is the foundation that has you able to go out in the world and do whatever it is you want to go out in the world and do, whether that, you know, I'm not just talking about work here, I'm talking about play and relationships and everything that you want your life to be. Your home is the foundation that sits underneath that. And when it's working, you don't even really notice that. You don't notice that you've got this amazing firm foundation, like a springboard that lets you get out there and do what you want. But when it's not working, it really holds you back. And, and what has it not worked? Clutter is always a manifestation of uh, external clutter. Is always a manifestation of internal clutter. So all that stuff that's cluttering up your home is either an unfinished task or a decision that you've deferred, a decision that you've you know you don't know what to do about something, so you've just left it sitting there rather than make the decision. So in order to clear the clutter and get organised, you have to actually take those decisions and finish those actions or make a conscious choice that you're not going to finish those actions and get rid of the stuff so that you can actually get rid of the things that are lying around to remind you to do something or because you haven't dealt with it yet and that and in in doing that because all that clutter is these unfinished things it gets your whole life working so all this organizing stuff oh my god but but one if i throw stuff out i might need it one day Oh, yeah, don't throw it out if you're going to need it. Oh, I don't need to throw it out. <laughs> oh, that's all right, then. If you think you're going to need it, then 
need it one day. It's not clutter. Well, I don't know. I might need it one day. I mean, one of those days I might lose weight and grow, go back into that wardrobe. There might be stuff from this podcast I might need to, need to know in 17 years' time. Who, who knows? That's right. And that, that fear of throwing something out and then regretting it holds a lot of people back from decluttering and organizing however in my experience when you're when you look at your all your stuff and you think oh no I don't want to declutter because I might grab something and regret it it prevents you from getting started but if you focus down and be really systematic and go through things systematically what I tend to find is it's actually fairly clear that there's stuff in there that you can deal with take the actions make the decisions, get rid of the stuff, or that you're clear you're never going to use again. And there's stuff that you're clear that you really, really do want to keep, which is great, keep it. And then there's a set of stuff that you're not sure about. And what I say about the not sure stuff is, in the session, as you're doing your, as you're going through your stuff, put the stuff that you can't make a decision about to one side, Go finish going through everything else, go back to the not sure stuff at the end, and you might find now that your brain's worked on it in the meantime, and it's actually really, usually that's what I find, is people that now find it very easy to decide one way or the other. And if you're still not sure, just keep it, because getting rid of it is irreversible, whereas keeping it isn't. And usually you've got rid of plenty. Everybody's got stuff in the house they're not sure about, including me. There's loads of stuff in this house that I look at and think, oh, I should probably get rid of that, but I don't. So long as your home works and you can find everything, you know where everything is, you've got enough space for everything, it's great. Keep the stuff that you're not sure about. Okay. So um, my wife accuses me a lot of being slightly absent-minded. You know, I regularly be ringing up and saying, I forgot my trousers. Where's my wallet? <laughs> um, I have rocked up without a computer at the office. I have, uh, I mean, there's all that stuff that's going on. And I suppose... Um, that sort of mental confusion is that part of living in some sort of mentally cluttered environment yeah and it's a vicious circle you know it's hard to say which one causes the other but the Mm. internal confusion will lead to external clutter and then the external clutter will lead to internal confusion I mean when I ask people what's the worst thing about being cluttered the thing people say most of all is not being able to find stuff wasting time looking for stuff buying stuff when you already had it because either you know you've got it somewhere and you can't find it or you've forgotten that you had it. Actually, that was what finally prompted me to do my entire declutter of my house was that I bought a little bottle of um, correction fluid and then a couple of weeks later I found one at the back of a drawer. And I'm very green-minded. I, I, I hate to waste stuff. And I was horrified that I got out and bought something that I already had. That's what was the tipping point that had me go through and declutter. So, yeah, it's... Um, it, it enables you to find stuff quickly, and then and then you and then you don't and that that doesn't feed on itself. You don't get that kind of cycle of being disorganised and then feeling stressed and then being more disorganised. So I'm guessing uh, in your world you come across people who are um, there's a sort of a bell curve, isn't there, in terms of people at one end who are massively organised, almost you know without being the OCD end of it, but massively organised. You have people who are mostly organised enough, and then you have other people who are sort of utterly chaotic and all over the shop. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I mean, what, what's the most what's the most challenging group of people to work with? Hmm, that's an interesting question. I'd say the most challenging group is what I don't often end up working with, actually, which is people who don't really want to do it. Mm. So there have been a couple of times when I've been asked to get involved by social services because somebody's got hoarding tendencies and maybe there's a child in the house and the situation's not ideal for them. Um, and the person that is hoarding doesn't really want to do it. They're doing it under some kind of duress, and that can be really difficult because it has to come from yourself. 
But in general, everybody that I work with, because they brought me in, they really want to change something. Yeah. So most people I don't find difficult to work with, and they um, they all make really big strides forward. You know, they 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 all really make very very positive changes. And, and I guess. Um... So there's a sort of um, a sort of process in people's mind that says, "I need to get organised." Well, I'll just get organised. Oh no! What I need to do is put off getting organised and bring in someone to organise me. Is is that? That's not such a bad plan. Okay. I, I'm a great believer in scheduling things. Right. People, people, including me, resist scheduling because we feel like it constrains us. And now you know, people do that. Then now I can't. I'm not free to do something else if it comes up. But look, schedules can always be rescheduled. You know, so, but once you've got something scheduled, you know it's going to happen, and you can stop worrying about it. So instead of walking around trying to get on your day, on with your day, with a whole load of things in your head, like oh, I should be doing that. I should be doing. Oh, I haven't done that. And oh, what about that? I'm not still not getting around to that. If you've got it in your diary, even if it's for six months ahead, you know it's going to happen, and you can stop worrying about it. So actually. Saying to yourself, I need to get organised, I'm going to do this on Saturday afternoon. I wouldn't say try and get entirely organised on Saturday afternoon. But if you say, I'm going to clear my desk on Monday morning, or I'm going to tidy out the kitchen on Saturday afternoon, and you put it in your diary, that little bit of procrastination makes it easier to do it when it actually comes to it. And you don't have to worry about it in the meantime. Just, I'm going to do it Saturday afternoon, I'll do it then. So you Oh, that was oh. that was exciting! I just threw something important on the floor <laughs> because I'd lost it. Not <laughs> off your cluttered desk. It's it fought, you, genuinely it fell off my cluttered desk, <laughs> and now it's in the pile of clutter on the floor. <laughs> That's what we technically call a landslide. <laughs> the challenge here, though, is. A lot of people sort of impl are taking implication that people who are disorganised are dirty, and that's not necessarily true, is it? Well, um, well and while you answer this question, I'm just going to get on my hands and knees and pull this back because it's the thing I'm making notes on. <laughs> I, no, in general, it's not true. Although it is very hard to keep a very cluttered space clean, so I would say um, a lot of people I work with. In fact, sometimes I'm amazed how clean people are able to keep their cluttered spaces. But usually, once we start pulling the boxes out, there is quite a thick layer of dust behind because it's just so difficult to clean around tons and tons of stuff. You've got, you know, you've got to either clean sort of half around it or you can't get to it at all. But no, it's definitely not the case that people who have clutter are are slobby or um, or that they like living in a dirty space. And often people are very bothered by the fact that they can't clean properly because of the clutter. So the triggers to start thinking about this or actually start doing some of this stuff are forgetfulness, confusion, losing things, double purchasing, I suppose mm. a sense of being out of control. I mean, it's all part of resilience, isn't it? And it's very interesting to see that this might be a trigger to help people to fix their environment. So if you're going to start somewhere, what's, what's sort of a good... I mean, do we need to rush out and buy some binders? Don't tell me. Ooh, Ooh. Don't rush out and buy anything. Oh, I need some new. I need some storage bins. <laughs> no. So what? What's my? That, that is one of the most common pitfalls really? around deciding you've got a big old decluttering project to do is to start by buying storage. Excellent. So tell me, tell me where 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 would I start then if not there? So start. There's a few places you can start. Start somewhere that's really bugging you. Start somewhere that you use a lot. Start the first place you see when you walk in the house. Start somewhere they, where you can get a quick win, so you can get a really good result, and you're going to feel great about it very quickly. Um, start where it's easy. Don't don't make life difficult for yourself. So start somewhere like that. If you're completely stuck and you just do not know where to start, choose a corner of the worst room or the best room, and work systematically from there. The the key is to be systematic. 
is to do it. The key is two keys, really. One is not to take on too much. Don't try and do the whole house. Just do the surface of your desk or one drawer or one cupboard, one small cupboard, because it always takes longer than you think it's going to take. And do it systematically. Do it one item at a time so that you don't overlook anything in either direction. You can cherry pick thinking, oh, that can go and that can go, but miss loads of other stuff that can go. Or you can cherry pick like, well, I can't get rid of that. I can't get rid of that. I can't get rid of that. And not notice the stuff that you could get rid of. So be really systematic. And it doesn't really matter where you start so long as you start. Hmm. And so do I need to be prepared to have bags, take stuff down to charity shops, to the dump? Yeah. Yeah, and there's two, uh, two aspects to that question. So the first is, yeah, you're going to probably be a good idea to have some containers to sort into. I mean, I sometimes just sort into piles, but containers can help because they stop the piles bleeding into each other and they're, they're very clear what the, what your categories are. So you're going to need some, something for rubbish, you're going to need something for recycling, you're going to need something for that not sure category, you're, and you're going to need something for actions because, like I said, you are going to find things that need doing because that's why it's there in the first place. And it's so important to actually take those actions. So at the end of the session, you need to think about when all those actions are going to happen and make sure that they are going to happen. Are you also a good idea to have a container for things that don't belong here? You know, I'm keeping them, but they belong somewhere else in the house because that stops you going off to put them away and then getting distracted by other stuff around the house. So, yeah, it's good to have some containers. But don't go out and buy any. I bet you've got plenty of containers. Can always do the new one. <laughs> yeah. Wait till the end. When you finish going through everything, you'll have an idea of, you might need more storage, but then you'll know what you've got, you'll know what kind of storage you need, and you won't be buying storage just to fill it up again, because that's what will happen if you just go and buy storage, you'll just fill it up again. And then something else I was going to say, I started off saying I've got two things to say about that, and I can't remember what the other thing was. See, what I see, see, and, you're cl- and you are organised. What can I say? <laughs> That's all. That's the old secret of presentation skills, isn't it? When they say, "Never count, never say I've got three points." You count a one, two, and you go. And I can't remember what the third one is. <laughs> it'll come back. You see, if you're I'm working, more, if you're more working, more disorganised, it'll help you. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what's making me chuckle actually inwardly is the thought of um, maybe two partners uh, at home, one of whom is relentlessly organised, and the other whom whom is not, because often opposites attract, don't they? Two people living together <coughs> can happen with parents and children as well, or just flatmates. Two people living together are going to have a different level of, well, I was going to say, tolerance to clutter or what they regard as clutter. They're two different people, so they are going to see it differently. So it's kind of inevitable that clutter and stuff leads to arguments and tension in the home. And the more the greater the disparity between how they want the home or how comfortable they feel with stuff around them the more likely that is to lead to arguments and upset. But that's another reason why decluttering and organising is so good for your mental health, because it does reduce stress and arguments in the home. For one for one person, certainly. Well, I mean, it, obviously it has to be taken on positively, but assuming that the so assuming that the person, so, you know, you've got two people and one's got a higher level of tolerance for stuff around than the other. If that person with the higher level thinks, no, I am up for this, I'm going to declutter, then it's going to reduce stress and upset in the home if the person with the lower level of tolerance starts putting pressure on the person with the higher level of tolerance to go on with it and you know they they don't want to do it well then that's where the stress and the tension comes it's a difficult one to negotiate for people it is because you get that thing where the person that's obsessively neat then can be quite resentful about the fact that they're always doing work and you know cleaning up and tidying up whereas of course you know 
the other person saying, well, I'm just, you know, allowing you to indulge in your passion, really. <laughs> yeah, which is very unfair because it's not that their passion isn't the cleaning and tidying. Their passion yes. is having a nice house. Yes. What, I, what I say to people when the disparity is very big, and I mean, I'm including in here people who live with people with hoarding tendencies, is you have to mark out sections of the house that are yours. You have to demarcate areas and say to that person, you can't put your stuff here. So, for you know, the bedroom is a very obvious place. You should have a space inside the bed that's yours. You should have a section of the wardrobe space and the, the drawer space that are yours and surfaces that are yours and yours alone. And the other person's not allowed to put stuff in that. And if they do put stuff in it, you just move it out. You have an argument about it, you just move it back out, even if they don't like it, because you've got a right to that space in your home. And then you, I, I always say to the person who's the one that wants to be more uh, tidy and more organised, you keep decluttering and organising. I know it feels like it should be them. But it's very easy when you live with someone who has, is further down a spectrum than you to just kind of put it all on them. So just keep decluttering and organising your own stuff. That might inspire them. They might see the benefits that come to you and they might want to join in, in which case help them, but don't sort of start doing it all for them. Mm. And, you know, they, and, they, and you, they, they can't then say, well, you're as bad as me. You've got tons of stuff. Like, just keep your spaces really clear. Of course, there are going to be some shared spaces and then that's trickier. You have to you have to set your boundaries and say what your rules are, and you have to have red lines around that because it can be very very difficult for people living with someone who's, you know, and they're on the hoarding spectrum. It can be very very impactful on the other person. Sure, and, and I'm guessing in, in increasingly an age where one person or maybe both people work from home as well, that demarcation between your sort of professional <laughs> office environment that may ha happen to be in your home mm. and your home, which is also always going to be in your home. I mean, <laughs> I mean that's. That's going to be that's going to be interesting, isn't it? I've actually just managed to draw on my shirt whilst I'm still digging that stuff off the floor. <laughs> no, that's a really good one. That's one that I, I deal with because I work from home. Exactly. So it, it, yeah, the the um, and I think the one area of my home that can get quite cluttered is my desk, and it gets cluttered quite often that way. Like aspects, other aspects of my life start to creep into the office because the PC is here, and you know it's all set up for sitting and doing admin, and so things start to creep in here. So when and when that happens, it, I know. In terms again of mental health, it's a great decluttering and organising can be a really good way to de-stress. When I feel stressed, one of the ways that one of the techniques I use to reduce my stress is to declutter something, and quite often that's my debt. Mm. Yeah, it makes sense. And I'm just looking on your site, which we'll talk about a bit in a minute, but mygreenandtidylife.co.uk, and you've got some brilliant photographs of sort of before <laughs> and afters. Yeah, and, and actually, and actually, what's most encouraging is actually the afters don't have to be completely perfect, do they? They just have to be better. Yeah, I'm glad you say that because those are totally real before and afters. They're not staged. A lot of the before and afters that you might see in magazines or on the telly are very staged. Those are absolutely genuine. Where I've worked with somebody in their home and they've given me permission to share the before and after photo, which I mainly take for their own benefit, so they can see the impact that they've made because. You really need to do before and after photos. You will forget within half an hour what it looked like by the time you've cleared it. So, yeah, they're very real. And sometimes I get comments from people saying, oh, but they don't look any better after all. I wouldn't want to live in. But it's it's personal. You know, it, it, the way each person wants their home is personal. And I'm not there to tell them how it should be. I'm there to help them to make their home the way they want it to be. And sometimes those after photos, it's not even exactly how they want it to be. There's more work to maybe they need to redecorate or get some more furniture, change their furniture or whatever. But that's really what it looked like before and after. And you can see how that would make a really big difference to somebody's life to be living in the after stage rather than the before stage. So so when you work with people and what's your um, 
What's your primary role? Is it to get people going? Is it the motivational aspect of someone arriving and therefore people need to take action? Is it to help people work out what their final vision is or or something it, else entirely? It very much varies actually. And I work I both work in people's homes and I also work via Skype and I also or phone and I also have a whole load of online products. And sometimes I'm not even physically there, they're using like a video course or something of mine. But the the um with some people, it's it's literally that they you know the fact that they're paying me and they've scheduled me to be there at a certain time will make them do it. With some people, it's that they they struggle to focus, and me being there can help them to stay focused and be systematic. Some people really need an uh, an objective foil for their decision making. May they sometimes people don't even realize this themselves, but that's what I'm doing. It's like always, the person who owns the stuff has got to be the one making the decisions. I can't make the decisions for them. So a lot of the time, people just they think I'm making the decisions, but I'm not. They, and at the end, they say, "Oh God, you really?" And I'm like, "I didn't do anything." Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. what I'm really doing is just being a foil for their decision making. So they might say, pick up something up and say, "Oh, I don't know what to do about this." And I say, well, tell me about it. And in telling me about it, they just naturally come to a decision. Yeah. Sometimes my role is to stop people doing too gung-ho and throwing away all their valuable stuff. Yeah. Sometimes people get a bit kind of carried away. They're like, oh, check it all out, check it all out. And I'm like, you know, do you really want to throw away your wedding photos? I mean, you can, but are you sure you don't have to? And they're yeah. like, oh, yeah, okay, maybe not. So it really varies from person to person. So it's that sort of enabler, facilitator, coach, Absolutely. Critical, yeah. critical friend almost, that sort of, you know, yeah. I, I can imagine if you were, and, and I'm guessing also, um, I don't know if this is something you do, do you, walk, do you help people organise the way they work themselves in their working lives, not just the physical environment, yeah. but, you know, yeah, like I mean, at an operational is, level? Yeah, of course, because as I was saying before about external and internal clutter being so linked, of course it links to organisation, so we quite often get into calendar management or financial management, um, like yeah, because we start getting to all the tasks that people need to take in their life. I mean, I can even get into relationship issues with people. Yeah, it gets it goes into I, I see into all sorts of aspects of people's lives. Fantastic. So um, I, I'm rampaging around your site, and I've had a good old rampage. So let's talk about that. And so, if people want to get hold of you, um, I'm on the site called My Green and Tidy Life, all one word. dot co. uk. Yeah, is, is that is that the best place or are there other places to find you as well, Rachel? Oh, that, that, that's a great place to start and you can join Green and Tidy for free from that website and when you do that, you get a free video course called The Seven Biggest Classic Clearing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. You get a, a short video, less than two minutes every day, telling you one of the big pitfalls around clutter clearing and how not to fall into that pitfall. And then you get a weekly uh, message from me to motivate you and keep you decluttering. So that's a great place to start. You can also find me on YouTube green and tidy videos i'm on facebook green and tidy twitter green and tidy instagram green and tidy declutter uh, is that all of them you usually forget one but i think those are the main places to find me instagram normally is the other one isn't it I thought, did i not say instagram i thought um, i did Oh, I'm, I'm going to pretend. I'm going to pretend you didn't. <laughs> I know whether I did or not. My biggest is probably YouTube in terms of social media, actually, because yeah. I can do little videos, obviously, on YouTube. And I see, um, I, I see on the site you've got a bunch of courses as well. So, so how does that work? Um, they're on a site called. Yeah, hey, I told you I forget one. They're on a site called Udemy. U D M Y dot com, and I've got four video courses. Um, they're, they're declutter your bedroom, uh, declutter paper and paperwork. Declutter your digital life, get organised in your di in your digital life, and organise your sentimental stuff. 
Yes. That sounds great, but I am drawn, drawn to any picture of a teddy bear, so um, there you go. It worked for me. <laughs> <laughs> those, are, those four, because they are the big ones for people. Like really? They're the ones that people always say they really need help with. Paperwork is a massive nemesis for so many people. Sentimental items, of course, and, and that's where people look at their stuff and they only see the sentimental items and they don't realise there's lots of other stuff there that they could deal with. Digital, I just found that that's my newest course and that was so much fun to make. Like, you know, managing your email inbox and all those notifications and memos and things that we keep, managing all those, that, that was a really great one to get into. Yeah. And your bedroom, because it's your haven. You know, it should be the place where you feel the most secure and happy and peaceful and for a lot of people it isn't. So I really wanted to transform that. That's brilliant. Um, and you've got some brilliant testimonials, obvs, and um, there's some really sort of heartfelt stories on there. That's really brilliant. And and, and, I'm, and I'm, I don't know. This is this is without uh, Rachel critically listening, but I can. I hope you can sort of get a sense of Rachel got a real sort of bounce and tons of personality. And I imagine working with her, with her be actually quite good fun as well. So I don't, it doesn't sound like it be too. Doesn't sound like it be too horrible. I, I certainly enjoy it. <laughs> Good. All right. Well, look, Rachel, that's been brilliant. I can certainly send a link to resilience. I can see your point about mental health. I can see your point about stress management. I mean, even just the physical aspect of actually doing work and sorting things out. But as you say, that sort of potential mental clarity that comes afterwards. And, you know, it, it's it's an attractive thought. There's no doubt about that. Oh, it feels so great. When I do, even when I do, I was doing my own, some cupboards in my own kitchen at the weekend. I just want to keep going and going and looking in them because it makes me feel so great when I yes. see this lovely organised cupboard. Yes, I know what you mean. When we did some spring cleaning recently and we have, we have marvelled as an empty cupboard that's all clean a few mm. times actually, perhaps too much. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, look, Rachel, thank you so much for spending time with oh, us today. Great. I think that's really interesting. There's a ton of really in interesting and useful things. Uh, so thanks for taking time, time with us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been really fun. No problem. You take care. Take care. We hope you found today's podcast useful. If you did, why not subscribe and listen to our other podcasts? We would love it if you could leave us a review. To access our resilience coaching, contact us at info at qedod.com. And finally, if you'd like to download our free resilience ebook, go to qedod.com slash free ebook. Thanks for listening.